You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe Podcast, a podcast for leaders of thriving boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community focused entirely on the unique needs of the boutique ProServe firm. My name's Greg Alexander. I'm the founder, and I will be your host today. Um, In this episode, we're going to discuss syndicated research and why I believe it's an effective way to package expertise and thus scale a professional services firm. And we got a great role model with us today. We have a member by the name of Michael Ellison, and uh, he's in the syndicated research business, and he's going to share his journey with us. So, Michael, we appreciate you being here today. Would you please introduce yourself and your firm to the audience? Uh, sure, Greg. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Mike Ellison. I am uh, president and CEO of uh, Corporate Insight. Uh, we do competitive analysis research around the digital customer experience for financial services and healthcare industry. So. We help our clients who are large banks and insurers to understand how their websites, their mobile platforms, and the whole customer journey online uh, compares to their competition, what they need to do to improve. Okay, very good. So let's start with the very basics, the term syndicated research. Please define that for us. Sure. So I I think in probably the purest form, syndicated research, it comes out, I think, of really the marketing profession. And... It's, it differs from custom or research in that it's often put together by not just one client, but perhaps multiple clients. So um, you might have a study that gets done and rather than say, you know, just company A being the sole um, sponsor of the, of the research and thus own all the data, um, a, a research company might form a syndicate. So it might be half a dozen or so companies that get together, um, have similar objectives that they want to get out of it. And then collectively, they all own the the data and the findings. Okay, very good. Um, There's some very large firms that have that business model at their core. The one that obviously comes to mind is Gartner Group, just because they're large and public. Why do you believe that putting a syndicate together as an approach to generating research is such a scalable activity? Well, I think the economics are just such that, you know, you kind of do the work once and you sell it multiple times. Um, you know, I know with us, we we probably are, it, it's more productized too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, while you could, we call our research syndicated, really what we have is a product. So we don't necessarily put the work together. And Gartner's the same, Forrester's got a similar model. You know, it's not, you know, we don't have a bunch of companies that come to us and say, do this study. We actually do the research. It's a subscription-based, it's annual-based research, and then we sell it to multiple people, uh, multiple firms. So it's, it's a lot more scalable, obviously, than just having one company come and, and do the study, and then they own the data. You know, we own the data. Um, we can do what we want with it, and and the our clients then subscribe to it, and they get access to it. Yep. So I was so excited to have you on the call today because your starting point was scale was built right into it per the description you just gave us. Many of our members are the opposite. They're starting off as, let's say, consulting companies and they have, you know, they get hired to do a project for a client. Many times it's a custom project 
And then the way they scale their firms is they just try to do multiple custom projects over time. And eventually that hits a ceiling, right? It's, if everything's a snowflake, it's kind of tough to really scale that. Um, you're going the other way. You know, you started with this syndicated research concept. And in a moment, we're going to talk about how you're also doing consulting and the pros and cons of that. But for somebody who started, let's say, as a consulting company and wants to quote unquote productize, to use your term, that's the buzzword these days. What advice would you give them as to moving from point A to point B? Yeah, I think it, it is hard to say because we, to your point, we kind of started at point B. Yeah. Um, but I'd say find the common ground. You know, what are you solving that's common to the industry? What are the problems that are common amongst all the players in the industry? And how can you take that problem, that solution and and just make it applicable to everybody. Um, you know, what can you do that enables you to do the work once and then sell it multiple times? You know, it's, 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 um, I think that's kind of the key to it. Yeah. So the way it works for you, <clears throat> let's say there's a new research report you guys want to produce. Do you go and get multiple sponsors for it, then go do the research and then sell it to the broader public? Or do you make the investment, do the research yourself with no sponsors and then sell it as a subscription, so to speak? Yeah, it's a great question. And when we were smaller, just for context, we have uh, about 95 employees now. Um, and when we were smaller and um, had less bandwidth, I guess, um, we would try to pre-sell it. We had the idea or usually what happened, a client would come to us and say, here's um, here's what I, I need. And we say, actually, that's a really interesting idea. We've had a couple other clients, you know, let's take this on and let's, you know, let's see if we can build a product up. Mm. And so we'd say we'd want to sell it to maybe three or four other clients before we actually agree to do the work. Mm. Um, and that obviously helped that, you know, it's made all the costs paid for and kind of, you know, the initial group would sponsor it. Often we would have a charter membership or a charter subscription rate for that. And then, you know, we get those four who kind of backed it. Um, we do it and then we'd launch to the regular people might add another 20% to, to whatever the, the, the price would be. Um, now, and we actually just launched a, a subscription service this um, in January, uh, focused on the uh, home auto and, and uh, home lending space. So we had a couple of clients talk to us. We'd done a couple of projects in that space over the past couple of years. So we pretty much knew it was going to be well-received by our clients and, and that we would do it. We, we pre- I don't want to say marketed it, but we we got some buy-in and said, yeah, the concept's right, and you know we'd be interested. But it was never a firm commitment. And so this time we actually started out just we underwrote it on ourselves, and we just did the research, and and we knew that you know it would it would it happen. So okay, and and the way you monetize it is it a monthly subscription, all you can eat, or is it are they buying an individual piece of research? So the way we do our work, it's it's a it's kind of an all-you-can-eat subscription. There's a number of different deliverables into the work that we do. We have monthly reports, um, quarterly reports. Uh, we've got sometimes, depending on it, we might have a, a bi-weekly readout. So there's, you know, and there's some data components like Excel matrices or dashboards that, that we sell. So there's usually probably three to four different deliverables and then, you know, content delivered throughout the year. So it's an annual subscription. Okay. And is it just reports or are you doing things like webinars and things of that nature? Well, we use webinars um, from a marketing standpoint. So we'll, we'll do that okay. as part of sort of industry awareness. 
but we will often package it like they'll have as part of the subscription they'll have access to our analysts um and it's not metered necessarily you know if, if it starts getting you know abused we'll, we'll push back a little bit but they'll have access to analysts we might do quarterly readouts for certain clients things like that it's sort of a a way because quite honestly we we use those things to then land some custom work yeah. so once they've got you got them hooked on on the subscription on the syndicated work you know they start having oh wait well i actually want to take this and do you know can we look into this issue that's not directly covered and we use that as an opportunity to then um, add custom opportunities to it okay and, and you mentioned access to an analyst so I, our members are going to ask you this question on the friday q a when we get it scheduled how do you staff something like this is it are you hiring consultants? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like you're hiring analysts. So describe the role for me. Yeah, so we have, and you're right, it's analysts. And, you know, our, I'd say our consulting works probably not your traditional management consulting. We are not looking at the problem, finding the solution, and telling, um, telling the C-suite what direction to take their business, right? It's custom research mm. often. Um, and there's consultative elements to it. Like we'll make recommendations on things we need to do, but we're not really concerning ourselves with actually how to go about doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the people that we tend to hire, it's, it, you might say it's kind of that traditional pyramid though, right? We hire a lot of people right out of school. We teach them the industries that, that um, we cover. Um, and we've got certain methodologies around how we gather our research and, and, and some of the more, um, fundamental key elements to it are, are what you start out with. And then as you get a little more experience within each industry or each vertical that you're in, you write a little more research, you do a little more thinking, you do some blog posts, you do you know, your own client calls and, and things like that. So our average age um, from our analyst team is probably in the late 20s. Mm. And average salary ballpark? I think we start people in the 60 to 70 range and then you know they're probably in the you know high 90s low hundreds as yep. you get okay and we're and just so you, for context we're new york city based okay so the model there the labor model the expense model is lots of people 95 people younger less expensive but lots of them whereas mm -hmm. in a traditional consulting world it's a little bit more top heavy than that you know you in fact, at the top of the pyramid, you might have million-dollar earners, and they're they're keeping an army of juniors busy. So it's a different it's a different labor model because the work they're doing is different. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> I would I imagine based on the way you've described it, almost all or a high percentage of your revenue is recurring. Yeah, um, it's in the sixty-five to seventy-five percent range is recurring. Yeah. yeah, which is the reason why most of our folks that have not productized want to productize because some of them, unfortunately, zero percent of their business is recurring. Every year they start the year January first at zero, right. and you know at some point when you get to a certain size, that's really hard. So having some recurring revenue revenue is really nice, and that's the whole idea of today's show, which is this is this is one way to productize expertise. And maybe it's not the only way, um, but if you can start doing this, given Mike's advice today, you can start building some recurring revenue into your model. Now, Mike, you're also doing some consulting work, and most syndicated research shops offer that, but it's a certain type of consulting, which you hinted about earlier. Can you describe for us what that looks like? Sure. So let's say in the syndicated report that looks at the banking space, we might do 
uh, one of our monthly reports might be on the online bill payment capability. And we'll compare and contrast. And, and within each vertical, we have, you know, 20 to 25 industry players that we routinely track, kind of our coverage set. Um, and we'll compare and contrast how each firm offers that, you know, in this case, online bill pay. And, and we'll look at, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses and so forth. And we give some high level recommendations about usability and, and things like that. But one of our clients might be like, you know, this is really interesting. And we're actually planning to build out this capability for our customers next year. But, you know, we also want to see not just what you guys did here, but how does it compare to firms that you might not cover on a regular basis? Or we want to add in some UX, actually UX testing based on some of the work that we're, we've done to date. So they would hire us to really build out maybe on that topic, or it could be something else entirely that, that might be akin to it, but it'll be like, Here's kind of what we're trying to understand. How does our feature, our service compare to this particular set of customers that you may or may not track on a routine basis? And we're really looking for recommendations in improving the overall UX experience, maybe not just the functionality. Mm. Okay. So it's very, very, so it's related to the research that you're doing. It's it's building off of that. So it sounds like everything everything comes back to the research, whether it's Custom work off the research or consulting work off the research. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And, and how does, how does somebody take a service like this to market? <laughs> well, um, that's a good question. We, the way we do it, we actually have a sales team. I mean, we have, um, and it's grown over the years when my, it was my dad who actually started the business. Um, and I joined him as employee number one and, you know, I did the work and he sold it. Then I hired an analyst and I started selling. <laughs> so it was very much, a, I think, a product oriented sale. And as we've grown, you know, now we have, um, I think, five AEs, two customer success. Okay. So we've kind of built an, a, a sales organization within it. Um, and I think that's probably one of the benefits of selling a, a product, if you will, yeah. versus selling a consulting thing, because we can teach our salespeople what the value propositions are and, and who do, and we know who we want to speak to and everything like that. It's the sale isn't predicated on their own internal industry expertise. Yeah. My last question for you, Mike would be if somebody wants to go down this path, any landmines to stay away from? Yeah. With us, you know, one of the things that it can, you know, data ownership, I think is one big one, mm -hmm. right? You want to make sure that, you can sell what you're selling um, from a, you know, and that you're protecting your own business. Um, and it's also like your clients are going to see everything. You're like, uh, they're going to see the same thing. Um, so, uh, you know, what Merrill Lynch sees is the same thing that Citibank sees or, or what have you. Um, so I think your message has got to be consistent. And one of the problems, this was a growing pain for us, if, particularly if you've got kind of a hybrid product versus custom, you got to make sure everybody's playing from the same sort of set of rules and and and, and expertise. We had something where we had our, our analysts in, in one of our syndicated packages were making recommendations that contradicted with the analysts on the, oh, on the consulting yeah. side of things. So we had to do some reorg after yeah. that. So okay. um, I, I think it's make sure you're all, you're, you're all preaching from the same pew. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, on behalf of the community, it was great to talk to you today. This is, uh, you, you're, you're different than most of our members in the sense that you've started off with a productized service, if you will, and our members are trying to get there. So your, your uh, story was really illuminating today. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks, Greg. 
Okay, so some takeaways for the audience. So if you're a member, be sure to attend Mike's Q&A session when we get it scheduled. If you're not a member and you want to become one, go to collective54.com and fill out the Contact Us form, and one of our reps will get in contact with you. Um, if you want to consume additional content, two things that draw you to. So first would be uh, Collective 54 Insights, which is our weekly newsletter. If you subscribe to that, which you can do on the website, you get three things every week. You get a blog on Monday, a video on Wednesday, and a chart of the week on Friday. Um, if you don't want to do that and you want depth, you know, meaty stuff, spend a few hours with something, check out our book. It's called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. Take you about three or four hours to get through that. All righty, great episode today. Thank you all for listening. And uh, until next time, I wish you the best of luck as you try to grow, scale, and exit your boutique professional services firm. <laughs>